Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the August 22nd, 2018 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hong Kong is a mixture of old and new, traditional and modern. It's a strange mixture at times, but somehow it just works. The most surprising thing for people who've moved to Hong Kong from elsewhere is often the amount of countryside we have. Our hills are riddled with hiking trails. We have outlying islands with rock climbing and abandoned pirate forts. There are even World War II tunnels to explore, miles and miles of coastline, and a vast ocean beyond. Today's story is one of mine, about hiking, but in a different country. First, though, thanks go out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners who keep up our spirits with their faithful adherence to our stories. Today, we'd also like to thank listeners in the Netherlands, Ukraine, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Malta, and Iraq. Thanks for listening to our stories around the world. The 19th of September is our next show, and our storytellers are busy rehearsing and refining their stories, distilling them into the best story they can tell. The theme for our September show is Something Blue. You can try this storytelling process out for yourself. It's simple and painless. To find out more, go to hongkongstories.com and follow the instructions to get yourself story ready. This story was first told in a show in 2017 called Unplugged. There were technical issues with the recording, however, so it's been re-recorded in the studio. Here is my story about hiking in the UK. At 5.30am, the air was crisp and cool as I set off from Newcastle City Centre on my first full day of my grand solo adventure. I was so excited to finally be on my way. I felt a bit conspicuous with my red backpack and my camera around my neck, but before long, I had reached the outskirts of town and left the main roads behind. When I got to the first piece of Hadrian's Wall, I stopped for a rest break and a celebratory apple, feeling justified in my decisions. I was on the Hadrian's Wall Walk, 84 miles from east to west coast of England. It follows Hadrian's Wall, hence the name, which was built around 122 AD by the occupying Roman forces. It was perfect. The English summer climate is very mild, and there are pubs and inns along the way not far from the path, and of course, England has virtually no dangerous wildlife. I was in this rather remote part of England because I was having a midlife crisis. I had begun to doubt the decisions I'd made in my life and wonder, what did I hope to achieve? Here I was, an almost 40-year-old, with the same dreams and aspirations I had when I was in my 20s, but seemingly no further along. I wanted some time alone to think, and I needed a new challenge to focus on. So I decided to go on an adventure. And what better adventure than to try solo hiking? Alone, there's no need to compromise, no one to negotiate with, and no one to berate me if I found myself giving up. I would rely on myself and my own two feet. I would walk, and I would think, and I would remind myself that I was a strong and independent person. I am also a realistic person, so I set myself parameters. I needed an established, well-trodden trail in a place that was wild, but not too wild. 
a place where if I got too cold or too wet or too hungry, I could turn on my mobile and call a cab or book into a hotel for a restorative night. As word began to filter out to friends and family about my intentions, reactions began pouring in. I had not expected the level of concern that this solo hiking adventure would generate. I got myself a water filter, stocked up on bread, cheese, and apples, packed a first aid kit, and made sure that my phone was charged and could get reception. Instead of a tent, I got myself a bivy sack, a lightweight, waterproof bag that zips around your sleeping bag and covers everything but your face, and allows you to sleep in comfort anywhere there's space enough for you to lie down. As the time to leave drew close, I felt well prepared, but the reactions from friends and family became almost frantic. You cannot go alone, they said. It's not safe. I tried not to let their fears influence my decisions, but I was relieved when it was finally time to go and I could leave all that negativity and doubt behind me. And it was worth it. Hadrian's wall is super nifty. And as I walked alongside ever larger pieces of it scattered through the path, I marveled at the men who'd built this wall so long ago. Men who'd come from far-flung regions of a lost empire to this small island. They quarried and carried these rocks and built a wall that would last almost 2,000 years. Each one was a cog in the wheel, and each one was a small piece of history. And I felt better about my life as I walked along. I, too, would just carry on, putting one brick atop another and hope that my walls would leave some imprint on the future, too. By 6 p.m., I'd walked almost 29 kilometers. Around this time, I also realized that I should probably have included some physical training in my preparation, but feared that it was too late, as I began to apply myself to looking for a place to spend the night. Up ahead, I saw a small grove of pine trees, around five acres in area, with the trees planted in neat, straight rows. England is an old country, and this is the most forest I've seen so far, so it looks very inviting, and pine needles lay thick on the ground, making it springy and soft. And comfortable. I went further into the grove, away from the path, to stop to inspect a spot just past a small ridge. It was perfect. The trees blocked out the wind and softened all the surrounding sounds. The floor was soft and dry, and I would be out of sight of the path. I had some dinner, washed my face with a flannel and brushed my teeth, and snuggled down into the sleeping bag on the ground with my Kindle, which is lightweight but full of books. As I relaxed in the fresh evening air, I felt pretty pleased with myself and laughed inwardly at all those silly fears I had upon setting out. Fears deepened by the worries of people who loved me and who were concerned for my safety, but who were, obviously, way overreacting. And that is when he first appeared. His small, beady black eyes and his pointed little face looked out from behind a nearby tree trunk. I started, but then I laughed at myself. <laughs> it was only a squirrel. He waggled his tail at me and ran around the trunk of the tree a few more times before coming out onto a branch above my head, standing on his hind feet and saying, I had no idea that squirrels could make that noise. But either way, I wasn't going to let it bother me. I turned the brightness up on my Kindle and continued to read. The squirrel jumped to another tree and started again. 
I pretended not to hear it. I must be sleeping in one of its favorite spots for hiding its nuts or something. But it was only a squirrel. They're famously not very bright. I ignored it. I ignored it as it hopped from tree to tree, never very far away, and continued to barrage me with its screams. Phew, he was a persistent little guy. But I was a human, and he was a squirrel, so there was no way that I was going to let him scare me away. I put away my book, zipped up my bivy sack, and turned my back to him. He continued, sometimes higher up, other times lower down. It was a test of wills, me against the squirrel. But I am a strong and independent person, willing to face new challenges alone. I was not going to be intimidated by a squirrel. Finally, as dust started to settle and the frantic scrabbling and eerie screaming stopped, and I congratulated myself on sticking with my decision. There was nothing to be frightened of out here in the English countryside. Even a manic squirrel couldn't scare me away. I mean, what could a squirrel do to me anyway? My self-satisfaction was lulling my weary body into a deeper sleep when, fuck, something hit me. I sat up, encased in my cocoon, and looked around. And cradled in my lap was a pine cone, one of the ones from the trees above. I looked up and could just make out the tops of the trees in the late evening breeze swaying back and forth. It must have shaken loose by the wind. As I lay down again, far above me, I saw the flash of a leaping grey body and a bushy tail high above Thuck! Another pine cone landed on my recumbent form. Then thuck, thuck, two more came down from above and carried on the wind in the ever-darkening night came the eerie cry of... I calmly and collectedly got out of my warm bed, turned on my flashlight and carefully stowed my belongings in my pack. I wedged my tired, swollen aching feet into my shoes, slung the pack onto my back and trudged another two kilometers in the ever-darkening gloom of night to an open pasture and the sheltering branches of an old oak tree. I was not defeated or lessened by my encounter. I had just come to realize with calm acceptance that I could still be a strong and independent person Somewhere else. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. Thanks as well go out to our unsung hero of this week, James, who comes to as many of our shows as he can and takes photos of all of us storytellers, even though the lighting is pretty terrible for photography. Thanks, James, for being an amazingly patient man despite your grumpy exterior. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to write us a review. Or if you're looking for more information on this episode, past podcasts, photos of our storytellers, and so much more, find it all at hongkongstories.com. Everyone has a story to tell. May your week be filled with a perfectly timed encounter 
a smooth ride, and your favorite flavor of chips. 